Although, I've seen some scripts, I know the words weren't spelled right. There was hardly any commas in it at all. So I don't think that's too important. Hey, you want to get on the train here, or you want to ruin another take, huh? It's too cerebral. We're trying to make a movie here, not a film. Man, I don't drop character till I've done a DVD commentary. You want to eat the writer? Be my guest. That will leave you to explain how else your character is supposed to get to Bremen. Welcome back to another episode of the In the Mouth of Darkness Chatcast. I am your host, Brad Gullickson, the Mouth Dork, and joining me tonight is Lisa Gullickson, Wife Dork. Hey, Lisa. How are you? I'm good. Are you better than last week? Uh, no, I'm the same, because we're recording these intros of Becca to Becca. That's right. As you heard last week, Lisa and I are preparing to go to Park City, Utah. To I'm partake. not wearing any pants, because yep. they're all in the suitcase. All right. That is some literal truth she just dropped on you guys. Lisa's doing this pantsless. I am. <laughs> I'm not editing that. Um, <laughs> because this is a great episode, we should be totally comfortable because this interview is in our past and it was mind-blowing and I could not handle it as it was happening. Whoa. Truly, truly wild. Truly wild. This Patchouli is Truly an... Stink himself from High Fidelity. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Patchouli Stink himself from High Fidelity. Tim Robbins is on this episode uh, as a producer and a co-star at VHES. His son, Jack Henry Robbins, wrote and directed this film. We're also joined by Carrie Kenny and stars uh, Mason McNulty and Ron Braslaw. Uh, guys, VHS is a brilliant film. You need to watch it. It should be available on demand right now. It is playing at the Alamo Drafthouse in Ashburn. It had a screening at the Alamo Drafthouse in Winchester, Virginia. Seek this movie out. Lisa, how can, how can you describe the insanity of VHS to our listeners? Well, it's like a found, found footage movie meets sketchy pastiche yeah, it's family like, It's like a, an updated take on Amazon Women of the Moon or Kentucky Fried Movie. Uh, the, you know, the star, Mason, he plays Ralph, and he has a copy of his parents' wedding video, but he loves television, he loves movies, and he's run out of VHS tape. He's got to use his parents' wedding tape. He's going to record his favorite programs, his favorite commercials on top of that. Him and, hanging out with his best friend? Yeah. It's all of that and more. It's a wild movie. I've said wild many times because I mean it. You got to see this film and you got to listen to this conversation because it is extremely informative and it's insane the lengths that Jack Henry Robbins went to to get this thing done. I really got the impression that we were one of the first to really get all of these people in a room to talk about this movie. So, frankly, Brad and I had a hard time getting a word in edgewise. We didn't have to do much work. They really just wanted to talk to each other and download about the art that they just made. Yeah, and they had just uh, gone to a screening of it, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was quite a powerful event as well. And because... That movie is a perfect, fantastic fest film. That's where this conversation happened, down in Austin, Texas, at that film festival. And it played so well to that crowd. And uh, it was like the energy of that room was infectious. So let's go to the Inferno Room of the Highball and talk to Jack Henry Robbins, Tim Robbins, Carrie Kenny, and the two young stars. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. I don't know if I like being in Satan's room. Uh, it, you know, there's uh, very there's this room, there's the video game room, there's the haunted manor room, uh, the black lodge. I think Satan's overrated. What do you think? Uh, well, yes, I agree. 
I mean, it's not ghost. I think this movie is Satan cool, and I don't, I'm not into it. There's that, well, there's that documentary out right now, um, Hail Satan? Question mark, which is following the Satanic Temple as it's trying to. Where, where, where was that located? Because they're building, they wanted to put a statue of Beelzebub at the courthouse. And there was that whole conversation no around that. Yeah, That's yeah. Funny. Wow. Me, I think really? Yeah, really? yeah, yeah. It was in, I want to say it was like in like... Alabama, please? Well, it was like Taunton or something, like Massachusetts or oh, somewhere. Okay. Oh, it's got to be those liberals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Massachusetts, yeah. Taunton. I yeah. went to a hotel in Massachusetts, and the, me and my brother walked in the first thing, we were like, oh no. Like right away, and we went up to the front desk, and we were like, "Is this place haunted?" They're like, "Oh yeah, it's like the most haunted hotel in the world." Where is that? In Massachusetts, and adult. When I was sleeping, I, like I went into the room at night, and I was like super freaked. Like it felt like someone was in the room the whole time. Like I was just like, I like slept with the lights on, played music. I was like, "Please oh, wow. don't hurt me." It was wow. so free. I hate that shit. I uh, did a set visit for the Grudge earlier this year. We oh went yeah. To, uh, Winnipeg, and they put us up in a hotel, the St. Gary, and they said it was incredibly haunted, and you know, yeah. X amount of people have died here. They really played it up. So I get on a Wikipedia and I start researching yeah. it. And I, all I can see is it's haunted, but I find no facts around it. And I yeah. kept waiting for ghosts. And yeah, it happened. didn't happen. It didn't happen for me. No, they knew you were there. They were like, "This guy, this, yeah, not this guy's a cynic." <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I'm not gonna work hard for him. It takes a lot of energy to lift a table. <laughs> well, we missed your screening last night, but uh, uh, we heard that it was tremendously uh, uh, impactful screening. Yeah, we got all these really good reviews online uh, and stuff. I yeah, made things sent some, so they yeah, really Have good. you seen the movie? Yeah, yeah, we, oh. wa- we watched it uh, right before we came down uh, to uh, Fantastic Fest. So we, we uh, watched it on a oh, screener, sorry. which... Which is the worst way to watch it? To be like, just a movie. Yeah. Still yeah. really. Weird. I don't know. I think it kind of kind of worked because we watched it in our hotel room. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, like when you're watching it, you go, "Oh, you really need to watch this with Fantastic Fest because yeah. this is the crowd for this." Oh movie. my god, it was so great. Yeah. What a great screen. Yeah. I think it's the kind of movie that you have to kind of. I mean, we'll see when it's online or whatever. But I think you have to see it in theaters because it kind of draws you in and sucks you in a little bit and you kind of get stuck in it in a way which is kind of I think the intention so Uh, jumping in my (laughs) very first question um what I this film captures such a nostalgic time for me like Mm -hmm. that time when television went from something ephemeral where it's just like you have to be staring at it because God knows when you're going to get to see it again to something that you can capture and something that you can keep Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you could speak to that theme and then also how you use it as a metaphor for like childhood, like childhood is also fleeting and you have to yeah. keep what you can. Can you speak to that a little bit? You want to start? Or yeah. Well, I mean, I think that one element that's really interesting to me is kind of how the VHS was the birth of being able to record your life cheaply things and reproduce them as if they were important. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden you were able to record some random thing you would see on a Sunday morning show that you would never watch again. I think that that kind of now is to the max, you know what I mean? Now uh, that's every day of our lives. We take photos we're never going to look at again. So for me, I think using this kid's journey with the beginning of that in a way represents today's culture and I think that it's a cool way of 
portraying kind of the impermanence of um, of your life and kind of how uh, you know uh, uh, you, you record and you record and you record and then it's uh, it's physical and it's there but it, then it's uh, it's not really something that is real or that is what happened kind of. Well, when you first started using the VHS, you really liked to record television. You really did feel like you were getting away with something. Mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> and then you had to choose what was most important to you. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it wasn't limitless, mm -hmm. the amount of video sets you had, right? Right. So, what well, you could, you know, if you weren't going to be home, you could record your favorite show or something. And then, so, but, so it kind of makes you, it forces you into a decision of what is my priority, right? Which what I loved about it was that you took the ultimate priority, a wedding, and that's even that is fleeting in this world. You know, uh, your memory of a wedding. Yeah, I never recorded over my parents' wedding video, but I definitely recorded over some sports programs, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, got got a lot of heat from my dad for that. Or when you found out that if you pop that little classic piece out, you could get a little more. Record? No, you could record over a movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Did oh, you, yeah, yeah. Did you ever do that? I, you know, no, did you have to cover it? You had to cut, well, you pop it out to save it. Oh, yeah. I, I you had to, yeah, you had you, to cover it to record right. it. Right, yeah, yeah, you can. Hey, welcome, welcome. Hey, can we get, uh, Join in. Can we get a, uh, is there any espressos anywhere? Oh, you know, I can have one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just coffee. Coffee, coffee. Yeah, yeah, let me check in on the espresso. I think there's, there's something also about... Here, why don't we see I'll go like this. There's an... And we'll have like a round table almost. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. A pentagon oh, table. A U. Cool. A U. It's very dangerous making a circle in the same world. Yes. You don't want to conjure something by accident. What is this? For you. That's heavy. Thank you so much. I, I, that's amazing. Well, you guys are so sweet. Well, I can't welcome. wait to open this. Sorry. I'm we'll Brad. This I'm Lisa. is Lisa. I'm Lisa. Hi. Nice to meet you. You guys were awesome. We loved your movie. Thank you. Uh, I think there's something also kind of like in, from Jack's generation to, you know, a, a generation or two up, which I am. I feel like there was this thing about you you could hold in your hand these memories you could hold in your hand these photographs these vhs tapes and when someone passed or when you were moving mm. you physically took those memories with you and now we live in this time where everything's in this random cloud somewhere and it's not tangible and so the idea that in what i loved in this movie was that the, you're you're sort of watching this tape almost as it as if it's a character in the film going through the passage of time and collecting these memories and the memories are changing and the memories are becoming something different mm -hmm. the, the physical tape in our lives back then had their own life right and what i love about the vhs is it shows that when you recorded well, like the Muppets take Manhattan off of. Yeah, I had all of the Muppet movies right. with the commercials. You yes. would you would have the commercials, and the commercials then became part of the entertainment yes. as well. Yeah. Well, in history now, we watch them back, and you see the commercial, and it's really telling of, of the time, oh, almost yeah. more so than the film itself. I actually ha I actually have those tapes. I still have yeah. my videotapes, and yeah, I have. We, I, we were attentive, yeah. you can't you, know, you can't use a real commercial. Right. Oh, there sure. were some real commercials that were really amazing. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's like you know when when I was a kid, my dad had a, a Super 8 camera, like a, a mm -hmm. film camera, 
And so I have very, you know, that was expensive. We didn't, you know, it did, you, you had to really choose what you're going to record. That's why I took a minute and a half. Yeah, and it was a minute and a half. And so I have these like select visual memories of my childhood from those, from that. Yeah. And I just can't imagine now you have tapes and boxes and boxes of tape. Every single uh, baseball game, every single um, uh, school assembly. It's like yeah. everyone's lives has been documented. So so much and now it's just out of control with it. But now these, it's real time. Yeah, but now where that's the time. thing is that we there we have those boxes of video cassettes for his yeah. generation. Yeah. Now it's all up here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So all your memories yeah. are up here. Yeah, and, and hope it lasts someday. <laughs> uh, well <coughs> you have our young uh, stars here. The world of VHS. Like how did you process this idea of tape and Betamax and these commercials? Um, well, I could understand. I know how technology advances, and I understand that that's how they used to watch movies back then, and it's it's very different from the way it is now. Like, I pretty much haven't watched a lot of stuff on VHS, most of it. Like, from when I was six, that's the first time I think I saw Toy Story on VHS. Until mm -hmm. so I was, like, now. Like, I've been using discs and online, like, movie services like most people do now. Like, a lot of people now don't even have real TV, like, channels and stuff. They just have Netflix and stuff like that. Can you imagine prioritizing your memories? Because when we used VHS, like, we had six, six hours of, we yeah. had, like, a couple of hours of tape. I can't even remember. Two. Two hours. Well, it has the six-hour tapes. Yeah. yeah that, but you had to record it at a slower speed, and it wasn't the quality. Yeah, it looked right. like garbage. Yeah. yeah. So you only had a limited amount of space to record your life. Like, can you imagine having to pick and choose what pictures you're going to take, what video you're going to take? Or, yeah. I mean, yeah, I can understand. Uh, I think a lot of people now film themselves way too much, but they... but back then they don't understand that they wouldn't have been able to film themselves nearly as much like on some of those social media apps they spend 15 to 20 hours uh, in a three-day span on this one app just taking videos and taking pictures of themselves instead of just like actually going and making memories and documenting that instead of just them lip-syncing to some song. Yeah. Good man. The so that, for our God. listeners, for our listeners, that was Ron. He played Josh. Um, in the movie, yeah. and he was wonderful. Yes. Um, what I'm gonna go to like the production side. So what? Because this is like a pastiche, like where you have all of these different ideas, and you're kind of cutting them together. What was the sc shooting schedule like, mm -hmm. and then the editing process of kind of putting these things together? Well, uh, we shot over 15 days. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. So we shot over 15 days with like 80 cast members. Like I think we had something like um, at least 15 locations. Because, you know, it was one of the hardest things ever. Our production got, the truck got stolen after oh week one. So we lost everything but the cameras. What? Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so we had some huge obstacles. Um, but luckily our cameras were, because they were really hard to find working VHS, like in pristine cameras, we have six of them now. But so it was, you know, we have like the market down. But so pretty much we had um, 15 days shooting and then we ended up doing a, like I think three or four reshoots 
after the fact that kind of focus more on Ralph's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really important for us and kind of to kind of uh, extend that story. And then as for the editing process, you know, obviously we didn't edit on tape. Right. So we, uh, we processed everything digitally and then started editing. Um, the editing process was wild for this movie. It took, you know, eight months to get it right. We had four different test screenings to make sure that, because each part, if you, is too long or too short, it, it affects the other parts because it's all told through channel surfing. Uh, every cut has to deal with the last cut and the, you know, they all have to kind of go together. So sometimes they interact with each other. There's like probably an hour of hilarious content we had to erase from the film. Mm-hmm. There's whole segments that aren't in the movie, not because they're not funny, but just because there's only so much space. It's a 72 minute movie. And they take it, you out of the world a little bit. Yeah, it takes, yeah, it's 72 minutes and it had to be around there. It couldn't be 85. It was just the way that it's designed. We wanted to keep it like you could rewatch it, watch it again, and kind of there's so much, the more and more you watch it that you can see, so. So how did you go about determining, you know, uh, what types of uh, infotainment uh, commercials you'd be using to tell this particular story? Well, we kind of like know a lot, I mean, you know, there were certain aspects of late night uh, television that we wanted to, that just are in our memory banks already. So everything from infomercials to antique roadshow to QVC to, you know, porn to like these things that as a kid, you'd stay up and watch this kooky world of VHS because, you know, VHS was the invention of something uh, where everyone could now have a camera for good or for worse. So the content that was getting created could be you know, those the weirdest shows and things. Yeah. You know, punk was another thing we really wanted to do, like a punk show. Mm-hmm. Things that kind of existed because of VHS, uh, you know. And then we kind of became inspired, you know, by different ideas that we just came up with uh, and kind of fit them into places. There's a lot of, I mean, we could make another movie with all the stuff that we decided not to shoot. That's a Blu-ray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly, like, when the wave of nostalgia really hit me was in the painting with Joan segments because I, like, I was allowed to watch channels 32, 24, and 26 because those are the public television channels my Christian parents would allow me to watch. Um, so what... Uh, I definitely got a Bob Ross kind of vibe. What what were some of the ideas you were channeling to create Joan? Well, first of all, you were talking about how long it took to shoot the film. The painting segment was shot a year and a half before. Right, because there was originally a short, right? Yeah, it, yeah. that was the short. It was okay. the painting segment, in case you noticed why I all of a sudden gained and lost 45 pounds in the middle of the film. Um, <laughs> I did anyway, not notice. <laughs> as a side note. Um, <laughs> I, well, certainly Bob Ross, and, right. and I was raised on Bob Ross, and I'm still kind of obsessed with Bob Ross. Yeah, and so is everybody. And Total Footnote just found out, I read an interview about with his family that they are not selling any single painting that he ever did. They are in our... storing it, uh-huh. which I think is just so beautiful. In our so, hometown. There, yeah, there is a, in, in Herndon, there is a, uh, exhibition of his paintings. Oh, wow. I mean, I, I, for me, there was like a, a beautiful, you know, there, I, I unabashedly loved him, Mm -hmm. love him. And, uh, there was a, 
just a quiet beauty to him. So, I mean, while it is really super funny and it goes on this wonderful tangent, which is my favorite kind of comedy, right. where you don't see it coming and it gets really dark, mm -hmm. um, I do also worship that kind of um, purity and that kind of innocence and that kind of beauty in a person that's like, I'm, I'm unapologetically just pure and not worried about about what you think, mm -hmm. but then you oh, know, hit you on the side of the head with yeah. something completely inappropriate. <laughs> I mean, I'm actually curious, kind of like, because I do think it is very different. Like, Joan is obviously in a different like universe stratosphere than Bob Ross. Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of curious, like in Joan's mind, like what does she think? Like, who? What kind of person in your mind is Joan? I'm just actually curious about that. Well, I don't think that. I mean, I I don't think that she thinks that anything is. And honestly, when you say that she's she's different than Bob Ross, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I mm -hmm. mean, he, we remember we would watch him and say like, "What planet is this dude from?" Yeah, sure. Who talks at that pace? What is? I think she might mind? be his mother or sister. Or yes, something. I mean, I think they live. I think they were probably raised in the same sort of uh, uh, off the grid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I don't think she knows really what a camera is, maybe. There's yeah, yeah. just this maybe other being that's in her space that she's talking to. Yeah, um, I think she'd be doing it anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a really, really fun, beautiful character that you created. And I got it right away on paper. I got it right away. And it was such a beautiful sort of you know, monologue of insanity that started, oh, I recognize this, to where the hell is this going? <laughs> but we all we also that. don't have, by the way, the motorcycle repair with Joan. Or oh. cooking. Okay. cooking. Cooking with, with Joan. Joan. More for the Blu-ray. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I want all that. The yeah. Blu-ray's gonna be long. <laughs> <laughs> all of this sketchy parody stuff was like a huge juxtaposition to the scenes about Ralph's family and about Ralph's life. And I think that you evoked some really wonderful performances out of um, McNulty. I got your last name. Oh, I can't read my own notes. Mason. Mason. Thank you, Mason. Um, so what was and it? Rom. And Rom. And Rom, right. Um, Mason, what was it like getting those really real childhood scenes? And what was it like working with Jack? Um, it was actually really fun and amazing working with Jack. He's one of the best directors I've ever worked with. And, um... Good answer. <laughs> the childhood part, um... I gotta say, the... The one that brought me back the, the best memories was the, was the Christmas scene. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I remember... I remember getting my uh, iPhone X for Christmas, uh -huh. and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. And I went on the camera, literally, and started recording everything. Right, I kind of blame the parents for, because, you know, Santa always gave you one box of D batteries and double A batteries. Like, if you can't play with your gift immediately, uh, morning, yeah. yeah, then, yeah, so Wait, it wasn't great. your fault that you taped over the wedding tape. I can't tell you how many toys I put together on Christmas morning. <laughs> So tense. <laughs> is it done yet? Is it done yet? <laughs> that, that's funny though that you actually have the same experience as you in the movie. Well, it is interesting because, you know, when the camcorder, like I remember when we got the camcorder, I remember when we got the VHS, and it is very much like 
when I now get my iPhone X, uh, you know, like it is like an unboxing event, you know. So it, as more things change, they also stay the same. Mm -hmm. What you know, it started as sort of a leap thing at first. I don't know if you remember, but in the very beginning, we had a Betamax, and it was a couple thousand dollars. Yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, and then it quickly became became more commercial, yeah. but. I also remember it not being not being handy. Like I remember, like we have like one childhood video that has my youngest sibling in it, and we had to connect the camcorder to the VHS player. So right. like we had his stroller was full of all of the equipment just to make the oh, really? camera work. Hence, there's no documentation of my brother John. He is off the grid. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. <laughs> we had a uh, our cameras were really uh, interesting to kind of deal with. We had they had to be plugged in at all times for mm -hmm. them to work. So we actually had the system where we had computer charging batteries that can handle high voltage, and we'd have backpacks on at all times that so we plug in. Uh -huh. It's kind of a fun little trivia. Did people try and talk you out of shooting on VHS? This guy did. Oh. My father did. Well, at first you did. Yes, you did. You said, well, you asked, could we just do it on digital and figure it out? You know what I mean? And make it look like it or print it. Which to me is the obvious like, question I would have asked. Yeah, I mean, too. totally. And, and the truth is, it's like, you know, people do that. You know, Tim and Eric, at first they did all tape, and then they did digital and treated it. But um, our thought process was uh, pretty much there's elements of filming on a camera like this that you can recreate. So for example, the focus shifts, you can't recreate that on digital. Mm -hmm. uh, the zooming, the imperfect zooming, you can't recreate. And to me, that was so crucial to the comedy and to the feel. So although it was scary to have a box full of VHSs at the end of our oh, shoot, that was our entire dailies. Uh, uncaptured because uh, we didn't have time to DIT it yeah. on set. Uh, that was literally. I I remember. I was like, you know, I was as you as you go after a big shoot, you're like you're sick and you're like crazy and it's been you know like thirty days of just effort. I looked at the box. I looked at like my house. And this was <laughs> like, what if like a leak happens? And for for three days, I stayed up and didn't. Uh, at night, I would um, set alarms every three hours. So I would, I just stayed up and because you had because they transfer in real time, right? Yeah, it, they transfer in real time. And I did the first day of work. I did. I realized that the VCR I was capturing on wasn't giving us high resolution enough. Oh god! So I actually had to switch out the VCR. So I stayed up for three straight days and oh, just digitized yeah. every single tape. Uh, I think that's so a good place to end because. Uh, you gave a lot of yourself and everybody to this film, and uh, I'm so glad that it's here at Fantastic Fest. It's like made for this crowd, like yeah. we were saying earlier. And uh, if you have those memories of VHS, I think it's a film that uh, will play very, very well to you. It's also funny. It's yeah, it's really, it's deeply funny. Really deeply funny. funny. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate Thank you. it. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you. All right. Okay, Lisa, are you elated? My elated cannot be overstated. That conversation was so fun. Yeah, that is going down as one of my favorite uh, interviews that we've had here on the ItMod Chatcast channel, for sure. 
That was one of our first interviews that I wandered into at Fantastic Fest. And you guys know me. I like to go in with a ton of notes and my thoughts all figured out. But that can't happen at Fantastic Fest. Things are coming at you too quick. So uh, they, they really guided me through this interview. For sure. And as you heard at the start of this uh, conversation... I was pretty starstruck by Tim Robbins. I mean, he's one of my all-time favorite actors, and it's just so surreal to be in the room with that guy. Especially when he looks around in that room going like, are people really into this Satan guy? Yeah, and then I tried to explain Hail Satan to him, and I got all the facts wrong. I'm sorry, listeners. (laughs) You probably turned off right when I was mumbling, and I apologize. But for those that didn't, thank you for sticking with me. Yeah, so there you go. Lisa and I are going to fly off to Sundance tomorrow morning, 4 a.m. We're going to forage some more great convos for you. Yeah, we've got some locked down already. I don't know exactly what next week's episode is going to be, but I'm guessing it's going to be a pretty good one. Yeah, it's going to be something super cool. So, Lisa, where can our listeners find you online? I can always be found at Sidewalk Siren on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And you can follow the other dorks, Billy Das, at WB Das on Twitter and Instagram. Follow his podcast, Bill and Claire's Excellent Adventures. Follow Brian Young, the Turtle Dork, at the Turtle Dork on all social medias. Darren Smith, at the Disco Dork. Um, Talk to him on Twitter. He won't answer. Find him on Instagram. Ask him why he's not on Twitter anymore. I miss him. Yeah. And you can find me on all social medias at MouthDork. Uh, hey, if you're a comic book head, you should be listening to Lisa and I also every week on the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CBCC Podcast. We're covering Rogue and Gambit right now. We're loving it. It's one of our highest rated episodes. Yes. So, Join us. Yeah. Join us in the loveness. Yeah, join us in the loveness. It's right next to the dork cave. Lisa sometimes has pants on, sometimes (laughs) not. Not required. Not required when you're podcasting. So until next time, guys, take care. Visions are worth fighting for. Why spend your life making someone else's dreams 